hospitality is an act that helps bring people together or add value to somebody's life. Every week here on More Than Profit, we explore the stories of leaders, entrepreneurs, and investors who have made a difference in the world while building successful businesses. We sit down with each guest and dive into their personal journey and their struggles and their triumphs and the lessons they've learned along the way. On this episode, we are sitting down with the founder and CEO of The Moniker Group, who believes in the dream of a better world and the responsibility to go build it. Ryan Sisson is the brains behind what is about 10 businesses under the Moniker brand. Their name showcases who they are, people running and functioning under a title that it is intended to define nothing, while at the same time, anything. They partner with extraordinary people and organizations to design and create, invest in others, pursue new ventures, and challenge the way people view the boundaries of business. Ryan truly gets the power of community and the innate need we all have to be seen and known and is passionate about building a group of companies around the virtue of hospitality to impact people in a profound way. So March 16th, that was the date we basically sent everybody home for COVID. March 16th, I remember it. It was the weirdest time. We were in the office. We didn't know how long this was going to last. I, re- I mean, I vividly remember where I was and tr- coming up with all these d- new different protocols and trying to figure out we had a co-working space as well. What did this mean for us and how do we do work from home? So, I mean, March 16th, that was crazy. Where were you? So I don't remember it as vividly as you, but I just remember as everything started unfolding and me thinking there's no way the world's going to shut down. And then it's things started shutting down. And I remember the first time I went to a grocery store where there wasn't food. And when I say that there was no food and the only food that was left, and this is a testimony to food. A lot of people don't eat any of the plant-based meats were still stacked in the shelves and everything else was empty toilet paper. I mean, any of the essentials, but I, I just remember having that moment of panic and my kids mocked me cause then I stocked up on things too. And followed all that stuff. So our guest today, so we have Ryan Sisson joining us from Moniker in San Diego, and we're actually doing this one live, which we always love the live stuff. But as you're going to find out with Moniker because of their businesses, I mean, pretty much all of your businesses shut down during COVID. Yeah, we, we make money when people are in rooms together and we're in California. And so it was uh, highly illegal to do all the things that we do in, overnight. Yeah, overnight. And lockdown, like, I mean, you couldn't even be on the beach at some points by yourself. You were not allowed to be on the beach, yeah. Yeah. Or go surfing. Well, yeah, you could pass through the beach to go surfing, I think, at one point, you know, but you couldn't go to a park and you couldn't be inside. And you So what did that feel like? I mean, here, I mean, literally, your whole business is people in rooms. Everything you In built. different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Whew, we're just starting with trauma and going from <laughs> Cool. We, we go deep fast. All right. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> I very, very vividly remember where we, I was at. I was in Colorado at a gathering and uh, mainly with a bunch of pastors. And I remember watching them all shooting these like videos on their phones, like talking about like whether or not church would happen the following week. The NCAA tournament just shut down and we didn't really know what was in store. You know, it's, it was, it ended up being so varied across every state. But within a week, we went from 65 employees to 12, 10. And, uh, you know, I told my team, I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't know how long it's going to last. I did tell them, like, our goal is going to be to be better on the other side of this. Like, I believe that there will be opportunities that come because of what we navigate, both in who we become through it, but also because of the just the consequences of, of everything. And so we focus on that. One thing to say that, but it's another thing to believe that when the whole world is burning. 
I think that would be a, a long journey back into the story of how we got to where we're at and what we've navigated over the last now 13 years, but that was, you know, three years ago, a couple months ago. And, uh, I just believe that in everything that we've done to get to where we're at and everything that we were called to do, this wasn't going to be the thing that took us out. And, uh, you never waste a good crisis. So we didn't. So for context, like moniker, so what do you all do? So they can understand a little bit more about why it impacted you. So, so right maybe now. start with what you don't do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, how long is the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, moniker group, parent company I founded uh, 13 years ago. And uh, we are a collection of about 10 different companies now, all driven by the, the virtues of hospitality and really what it would look like to not bring to life just a traditional hospitality-based business like a hotel or a restaurant, but to bring to life a business that uses this common thread of hospitality to impact all the services that it provides. So we do have some you know, more traditional hospitality side stuff like coffee and we have a cocktail bar and a, we have multiple event venues, but we also have a co-working space and then we have interior design and construction, retail. We now have an ice cream shop. We do beverage catering. So yeah, we've got quite an eclectic group and on, uh, it seems random, but it's, it's not once you like really look at it, but a lot of different moving parts. So in background though, so you're born and raised because again, I love Ryan Sisson, but I also don't like him for this reason. He is incredibly proud to be from San Diego. So you were born and raised in this area. Yeah, I was born and raised. Third generation. Um, oh, okay, I, thank you I've for that. Literally lived here my entire life. So 40 years all 40 I've spent in San Diego. And so, and your wife is native also? Native also, yeah. Because he did not want to mix the blood, the bloodlines. I did specifically pray to marry someone that was from San Diego. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't want pressure to have to leave. No. So, no, hey, here we are. But yeah, so we're both, both from here. I mean, my grandfather went to school at San Diego High School, you know, when uh, Ted Williams was at Hoover High School and my, and Mission Valley was farmland. And it's like, it's just a lot of family history here, which is really cool too. I love roots and I love legacy. And so the, to be able to build a family and build companies in this town is, is actually really special to me as well. And also it's just the best city. To, I mean, it's just, <laughs> Again, it okay. is beautiful. Stop. Yeah, It is beautiful, but okay. Anyways. So on the COVID front, like now we're on the other side of it. So it's, you know, this, this time period that I think everybody marks their life by, but in the midst of it, what were some of the things that kind of helped you guys through that process? I have to believe like the PPP was instrumental as well, but were, were there specific key things that were super helpful for your business and for your, your family? Oh man. Yeah. Cheap government money was definitely a huge part of what we do. Like, would you still be around without that? No. Okay. I mean, arguably no. I don't know what other... Well, you don't know, know for yeah, sure. Yeah. So we don't, but it was instrumental in our... Being, I mean, we literally couldn't function. We had we have three event venues. We had to move 200 events out of like the years of like kind of full lockdown to whenever a week we were allowed to open up. I mean, and give some perspective. So I don't know if people can't... Hopefully we'll be able to get the, the airplanes out, but where are you located? Like, where are we right now? Yeah, we are right by, we're in Point Loma in a place called Liberty Station. It's an old military base. It was rehabilitated in the early 2000s, and uh, it's a really cool little neighborhood. Obviously, right by the airport. So right so under the airport, in yeah, a sense. We're, we literally are right on the airport. I think we're the second closest building to the end of the runway currently, which sounds like a really heavy industrial, like something you wouldn't think of where we're at is where we are. But right by downtown San Diego, kind of the core of San Diego, which is really important to me. And super expensive though. So this is incredibly expensive real estate. Yeah, it is very much not cheap real estate. We have now have seven locations, but at the time we had six locations. So six different buildings worth of rent 
on top of all the other costs that we have. And were landlords at that time at all kind? Or I mean, they had to pay theirs just like you had to pay yours or? We, no, you know, we approached all our landlords very quickly. We knew the writing was on the wall, like this isn't going to work. And we also, we have a, a fair amount of background in real estate. I have a, a background in real estate development and just getting ahead of that was a huge part of what we did. It was, hey, both of our best interests is for us to be around when this thing, when the dust settles. Like the last thing you want is a vacant building and the last thing we want is not having a home. And so we got way ahead of it and, and started negotiating terms and started trying to work things out and lots of communication, lots of information. Here's where we are financially. This is where things are trending towards. We never lost a spot and we actually ended up with some pretty good uh, renegotiated terms on a couple of them. So I, I would say we have a, a wide variety of how generous the landlords were. Some were not as much, but we definitely got what we needed to, to make it through that part. Now, so you're obviously in the kind of the placemaking kind of industry. What would you call the work? Like, is there an industry or is it, you've said hospitality, but yeah. would you consider yourself in the hospitality industry? I would. I think for us, we're actually looking at trying to redefine like what a hospitality-based business looks like. That would be my goal is like, what is your definition of hospitality? Like, what do you guys kind of like put is up looking as- across the table or the counter and figuring out what you can do for that person? So that can be applied to your customer on the coffee side. It can be applied to your client at, on the construction side. It can be applied to your member on the co-working side. It's really about saying, like, how do I help elevate your experience? How do I help make sure that you're taken care of? How do I make sure that you're known? Like, that's what hospitality is. And that's why, from a theory standpoint, is like, we believe that hospitality can be applied to any industry. It's not just an industry. And so I would love to be known as a company that took hospitality to places that it was never really known for. Like like in the construction side, it's like, how are we taking care of somebody's home? What are we doing when we walk out of that place? How are, what kind of language is being used when it's around, you know, like the respect, like all those things. Hospitality is really a compilation of, of little moments you know, it's not like you go to a hotel and it's like someone just delivers a box of hospitality. It's like, no, that one person said this thing to me and that other person got this for me. And it's like all these little moments that make up what it looks like that you would walk away and go, that was such a great hospitality experience. I had a friend once tell me like, uh, I thought it was good. Hospitality is like, I thought of you before you got here. You know what I mean? I thought of the music you like. I thought of the food you enjoy. I thought of the temperature you like the room at or whatever it might be but just going above and beyond to where it's like before that person even arrived or that customer or whatever, I thought of you and what you like. I actually look at the kind of the work that you do is you're kind of like in, in the experience industry, if that's a you know, thing. Like, because I think, you know, you could be in a lot of things, real estate, you do design, but I think, or, or maybe even a better way to phrase it is the connection industry because the human connection industry, because that's ultimately what you're doing. You're creating space, you're creating companies that are thoughtfully connecting people in a time and place that's aesthetically done well. Beauty is a part of kind of, I think the way that you guys think about the world. Why did you find yourself f- focusing on that? Yeah. I mean, community is the core driver and people are the, is the core driver, what we do. Right. And so hospitality is an act that helps bring people together or add value to somebody's life. And quite honestly, our, our moniker birthed out of a friendships that I had within one of the local churches here in San Diego. And we, as a ministry, were young, running a young adult ministry and we were doing like art shows and fashion shows and concerts and all these. We were creating space and holding space for people to be together. And our goal was it, to, it wasn't about the space for the people that were going to church there. They, could, they were part of it, but it was about for the whole community. We wanted people to feel welcome, to feel invited, to feel loved, to feel known. 
And so we basically took that same like kind of heart and just brought it to life in something that could be sustainable long term versus it just being only this like expression of a local church. And so Moniker came to life as we started taking our knowledge and experience and applying it to other people's conferences and events and things of that nature. And then that started to turn into our own permanent spaces that we would have where we got to actually be, as I like to say, like we're really like the table builders. Like we're just, we create the space. Quite and literally some, too. Yeah, literally <laughs> even figuratively. Like, like the table making process is like, here's a table for you as a community member to do with it as you please. And it might be a cup of coffee. It might be a dinner party. It might be studying for your homework. It might be starting a new business, like whatever you need to do with it. But the table's there and that's what we did. That's what we created. And so that's constantly what we're looking at doing is like, how do we create these spaces and environments where people can like authentically come together? And sometimes we do it in a way that's like, we're more active in it. Like we're literally throwing a dinner party and then a lot of times it's just like we built this and like go use it for whatever it looks like that you want to bring to life. And I just love that that we can be a part of it in that way. Because your background originally, you had a design company before. You worked for a design company before Moniker started. Is that right? So Moniker came to life. I did Moniker on the side for six years. And in that, I was, I was also working at a web design and technology studio. So I'm personally not a designer. I actually not entirely sure what I'm good at. I'm really good at collecting other people that are really good at things. And so I've been around design and just been around experiences and been around a lot of stuff, but I'm not an artist or a designer by trade. So yeah, I, I do love what it does. I love intentionality of design. Um, how and going back to that, like I thought about you before you were here, like that's exactly what design is. It's like I thought about what you wanted before you even got to this place. Because I think it's interesting as your coffee shop here, I wanted Bryce to see it because we were standing outside talking to you yesterday morning. And it's crazy to me how you have like a retail store. So there's goods and services being sold there. And so there's that one side of shop and the other side is the coffee shop and they've got food and whatever else. But they're always really busy with people and activity and like, I don't know, there's just, there's something peaceful to it. And then in the evenings you have, a, you know, you change coffee into cocktails and, you know, and, but the, then the store is still open. And so it's just a amazing way that you balance it all. Yeah. I think setting out to create the space that people would want to be in, you know, that was, that's really was always our intention. And I, I love the multi-concept piece. I just, I love the creativity behind it. And I think it adds an, a layer of appeal for people to come and be there, but also, at the end of the day, people feel comfortable there and they feel welcome there. And, they f and so they continue to come back and they continue to pack the place out. And it's like, you know, we put as many seats as we can in that place because we wanted to make sure that everyone had a seat, you know? And so it's been pretty special. It wasn't always like that. Don't get me wrong. It, it definitely had its traditional business, like get this thing off the ground, lose a bunch of money, like question your purpose multiple times. But it, then it hit an inflection point. And then really what happened going back full circle to the COVID conversation is we didn't break the rules. We just sat at the edge of what the rules were. And we were very quick to be open. Like the day that you could have people inside, we were, you were there. Like the day you could sit inside, we like our, the staff that we had, like everything was about getting people back to a place of community and connection as fast as possible. We didn't have plexiglass up. We didn't have like six foot things. Like we didn't have so many stuff that just was all about telling you like, don't be together, don't be together. We, we pushed it and we did get one cease and assist letter from the county, which is kind of a badge of honor. But that was a huge thing for us is like, we weren't gonna close down. Like we actually, at one point I had two employees left over there and I said, if you could sell enough coffee to pay for your person, your day, we'll stay open. And it was like, I just, I believe in the power 
of connection, I believe that we were created for community. And so we were going to give our neighborhood as much access to community as we possibly were could without being shut down, which would then give us no access, like give no one access to it. And so that's how we did it. And we've, we always pushed kind of the edge of that. And um, I think we've been rewarded by people feeling like this is their place. In October of 2015, Jonathan Kumar stood on a street corner in downtown Seattle. He watched a man beg for 20 minutes as not a single car opened a window for him. The man, Edward, stood there painfully seeking diabetes medication for his feet after recently ending up on the street. As person after person passed the man by, Jonathan eventually approached him and had a conversation with him. It was then that Jonathan realized this man was experiencing not just financial poverty, but a profound sense of relational poverty. Many urban city goers continually confront homelessness, but are caught without time, cash, or understanding on whether cash will even help them at all. These and other barriers lead to the easiest response, do nothing. And so individuals without a home are told hundreds of times an hour that they don't exist. So Jonathan built Samaritan, a support platform that empowers people without a home to move forward. Individuals gain the financial, social support needed to rebuild hope and reach housing goals. Become a Samaritan today. Be a part of encouraging your unhoused neighbors and funding strategic needs to help them reach life-changing outcomes. To learn more and to become a Samaritan, visit Samaritan.city and also check out episode 46 of this podcast to hear my interview with Jonathan about his journey and the amazing work they're doing at Samaritan. Now back to the episode. What I've always been impressed by with your work is you really get community, right? I think communities are complex. If you think about like, they're, they're like an ecosystem, which are complex and, and diverse. They're not monolithic. But what we do oftentimes in business is we, we break those down into like, well, I do commercial property redevelopment. And so then if you only look at it from that one business unit perspective, you're not ever going to really facilitate or foster community because you do commercial properties. And then the next company or business, it's not integrated, is doing a coffee shop. And then those are all good, right? But here you are coming in with an integrated mindset and saying, hey, if we're about building community, we have to think about it from the design. We have to think about it from the experience. We have to think about it from the space. We have to think about it from the different types of business units, from co-working to you know, cocktails to coffee. And that is building community. Now, there are businesses there, but your, your integrated strategy, I think, is the thing that's most impressive. So what I am curious, though, and only you can answer this, and you don't have to be honest if you don't want to, it is integrated, but how much of it is just you controlling? Because I mean, your personality, you are someone who's going to control or you're going to because I do look at you and go, you like things a certain way. Yeah. It's not a lot about my control. Okay. It really is. I mean, I think. Well, again. <laughs> no, I mean. It's a good question. It's my control is at 100,000 feet. My control is controlling the mission, vision, values, the culture of what we have as a company. After that, it's often represented by the people that, it's, that are part of it. And I think that's why the successful community piece is there because this isn't just a manifestation of Ryan Sisson. It's a manifestation of a lot of different people that, that all have a more authentic reflection of what a community looks like. So, and I, and I guess I need to rephrase that because by no means did I mean disrespect. I mean, maybe it sounded like it, but, but really where I look at it and I go, you have in mind what you want, the, what you want done and you've surrounded yourself by good people, all that stuff. But I still look at it and go, you make the table that we're sitting at. You know, I mean, like you go to any of your spaces and they're curated in a certain way. And I, and I just go, I love the fact that you build furniture. You have a design crew. You have everything is 
tailored around what moniker is. So I, I just spent more just going. Well, that, I would call that vertical integration. Yeah. You know, where it's like, why not? There's a business there. Why not? If we think, if we know the type of furniture that we think is going to fit this space best, why not make it ourselves? Yeah, I think. I think yes. The, on the business strategy side, I love the vertical integration piece, and we can kind of walk down why that is. But I think going back to like that control thing is it's really about protecting the direction that we're heading. Like that's the biggest piece. And it's not, I can get caught up in the details, but I've had to learn to let go of that because I can spend so much sideways energy fighting over certain things that I don't need to be. That doesn't allow us to continue to be pushing forward, you know? And I think the idea, it's like, it's like being a, having a family, right? It's like, if you only focus as a, as a dad on bringing money home for the family and you did nothing else, like you would have, it would reflect that piece. But if you focus on all the different roles that you have, you start to build what a healthy family looks like. And so I think that's kind of the approach that we've taken is like, there's multiple pieces to a community. And so we're going to try to focus, we're going to try to address all the different pieces of it versus only being very singular on that. So the analogy I use for moniker is it's a, most businesses are like a palm tree. It's like, I'm do one thing. I'm going to go as high and fast as I can. We're like an oak tree. So our branches have branches. And so the idea of like having a lower canopy versus having like a tall integrated thing. And so that's really the way that we've always wanted to do it. And, you know, that's driven by a whole bunch of things, my huge FOMO I have. So I just want to like be a part of everything, but also mainly just by having so many different industries that we're part of, there's a whole business strategy side, but then also it opens you up to having so many more different types of people be a part of it. And I just love people and I love being around those that are uh, call moniker home. Some of my closest friends and my little family are part of it. And the more you open up to the more people that can come along with you and that that's really been a driver. We're a total reflection of the people that are in. So would you be able to point to either a person or a thing or a moment that really defined you as like, is there something that like, you know, is there, because I look at you and go, you're really complicated in the sense that you have 10 companies that you run. And I mean, it's really, you know, with hospitality being the focus, I'm just curious if there's something where you go, you know, oh, my grandfather was, or, I mean, is there something that you, and you don't have to have anything. I mean, no, I mean, I, it's funny cause I was originally a mechanical engineering major in school and I got out of shocked on that one. Well, I mean, based <laughs> off of the wall, because I like numbers, but it wasn't for me because it was so specific. So I went to business and I was like, business sounds good. It's got people, you do cool stuff and it's very broad. Like I wouldn't be limited. And it moniker came to life as like a total just like outflow of relationships in the early days. It wasn't strategic. It wasn't like, oh, there's this market segment that I just want to go. No, it was like my friends are really good artists and we design cool stuff and do cool events. So we're going to do that for the people like it was that that was it. And so it has grown out of that based off the relationships that I've gathered that I've gathered along the way mixed with like, oh, now that we do this, that market segment over there might be actually really good for us to go chase after. And that's how it's become like the version of it is now. But the funny thing is one of my early like permission, if you will, was Richard Branson and how he built Virgin Group. And I just love that he used a singular brand applied to multiple different facets. Like I, you know, I couldn't be a more pers different personality than him. I have no interest in being that well known or do crazy stuff. That's totally him. But I just love that he was so convicted, had so much conviction in his brand and what it stood for that he thought that it could be a part of all these different things. And I, I just said that if he could do it, then we could do something like that. And, and then growing up though, like, I mean, so many people are parts of lots of different types of community. 
some are good, some are bad. How did you come to understand the value of place, the value of connection, the importance of community? Was that modeled for you? Did you see that? Did you experience something and you, or didn't experience it? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm missing something and I'm going to go create that. Like, where did that come from? Multiple pieces. I mean, I think my family definitely modeled like what community would look like. And, and we did a lot of stuff together, whether it be um, going to church or whether it's like extended family things or camp trips or like, that's kind of like your baseline or the foundational piece. And then there was a season where, you know, we were in a small church down here in the corner of San Diego and there's a lot of things we didn't have. Like we didn't have like the cool youth group and we didn't have all this cool stuff. And I always wanted to be a part of stuff. And there was a point where it's like, I might have to be the one that creates it if I want to be a part of it. Like I love being invited into things, but there was just that season of like, this doesn't exist and no one's, no one's standing around waiting to, for you to go over there and, and join their thing. Like you got to do it. And so that was really like the part where it's like, if we want really cool events and we want really great community, we want a healthy place for people to come to and we want all these things, then we just got to do ourselves. And so that was really like the impetus behind that. And there was the fortunate thing for me is I was able to do a lot of that outward expression through the, through the local church and through the young adult ministry that we were a part of. It was a palette for us to paint. And so we were able to create within that ecosystem, which has allowed us to be able to step outside of that and then start doing the things that we did early years of moniker. But yeah, I think it was that longing to be in the places and environments, connections that, that didn't exist. And then just going, looking around going like, I guess we're going to have to go do this ourselves. And what do you think about where does beauty fit in? You know, like we talk about design, everything. How would you articulate the importance of beauty and the appreciation of quality and high design? Because I think, you know, thinking about buildings, for example, like in, in the 1950s, urban revitalization, I was really just designed for utility and it's ugly stuff, right? And you look at churches of today, you, you know, you talked about your church that we just, we design things out of function and you look at the cathedrals of old and you walk in and literally your eyes are forced, forced upwards because it's just so beautiful, the expanse of it. And that's actually part of the design. So how much is like clearly, you know, just walking around the, the spaces, you know, people can't listen and walk through it with us, but you guys really think about that a lot. I think there's what I love about design again is the intentionality. Like it's someone is being thought of when you're doing that. We don't design those places so that we can look at them and think they're cool. We design them so that you guys can in the same way of you're going on a date and your wife walks out and she just has put in the extra time to do her hair and makeup and the dress, all that, all that's for you. And like you then get to receive the reciprocal of the work that she put into it. And I think that, beauty and design is, is a huge element of it. I think that it can help someone feel uncomfortable or, or comfortable in a space. It can help someone feel like they are having their personal life is elevated because they're allowed to be a part of it and they're engaged in that. Like if they're, whether they're working in it or grabbing coffee and studying, it's like they get to feel special and they get to feel valued because someone put a ton of extra energy and extra thought into a space that was meant for them. I love taking those boring old buildings and we're in literally in this a gray warehouse and you step inside and it's like a whole new world. So I actually have loved the restorative and kind of like the, just that tension between this ugly old space and something beautiful on the inside. And that's, there's a whole nother podcast in there somewhere. But yeah, I think it's, it's a huge part about it. And I think from where I stand, I often, we more often find ourselves under resourced to be able to get to fully exercise what we're capable of on the beauty and design side. So I look for that stuff's expensive. It's the details are right. That takes the time. It takes effort. It takes analysis and, and trying new things and stuff. And so 
I believe that what we have never yet shown what we're capable of. Like our best has not even come out yet. My hope would be that it, it can, but I think on the other side of that from, you know, there's other contributing elements which has helped us be successful in the ways that we have, but there's so much to that, that piece that I, that I, I would love to explore more. Well, of all the stuff you do, like, is there any space that you're like, I really would love to design that? From what we already have or from like something no, we don't something, have? No, something that you don't have. Yeah, I love hotels. I love to do hotels. I think just the completeness of interaction with somebody's life is really unique. You know, you can, you get an entire day essentially with somebody versus just like a few minutes or an hour or like a, their work day. So I think that would be super cool to be able to design and operate on that side. And do you ever see yourself, I mean, obviously would that be something that's on the like the to-do so you'd have 11 and one of them would be and it'd have to be in san diego only no no oh no. okay yeah, no. i know i'm just no i appreciate other it. people can live in I, other places I, I mean if they have to but he's uh, from san diego he's got to travel somewhere he wants to stay somewhere cool no i yes we do have ambitions to go outside of san diego as long as the communities would want us to be there but i would love to be in that in that hotel space at some point and yeah just any types of environments that can have a positive interaction on people's worlds is I love it. So just curious after on this side of COVID because of the hospitality that you've been in. So is there anything, any of the businesses that didn't recover, like in the same way that you thought, I mean, now being back at your coffee shop, it seems like business as usual. I mean, it missed, you know, so wedding venues or different things like that. Yes. Event venues haven't recovered the way that we would have really? expected. Yeah. Which is really challenging. And the biggest challenge I've faced in business maybe even more so than COVID is, is solving that problem right now. Is that a national trend? Are you seeing that across? It's at least a local. I don't have like national, but in having conversations with other people that are in the industries, whether it be venue owners or people that are part of putting it together, it's, it definitely is a trend. It's, and for us as a company, we are kind of, that's our financial keel. And so we're, our, our keel is broken right now. And it's really hard to drive the boat. So just trying to, f- to figure out what that looks like. But it's, I think there's delayed you know, corporate hasn't come back as big as it was, you know, people aren't getting married the same way they are. Um, you know, they're not, are they spending 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a wedding? If they are getting married, you know, everyone, we moved everybody to like a one season and they all kind of, you knocked out all those, those customers and clients. And then it's just been, it's been slow since, and that's been really challenging. So unfortunately, yeah, that's, that's the one, everything else we have is, has been thriving post COVID. Our co-working space is full, obviously like Moniker general, as you mentioned, and so, yeah, it's been very challenging. So I just wanted to say to you as a human, I just have loved watching, because we've known each other a long time mm-hmm. and watching you, I mean, you've never wavered for moniker. I mean, in the way of just what you believe it can be in all the different companies. And I know that there's been, oh, no moments, lots of those probably, but it's really been fun from the sidelines to watch you just never give up on your dreams and you ch- have to change your dreams because of financing or whatever, or those different things, but really, and then watching the community, cause you, you understood community before you have a tight knit group of people. I mean, that's kind of how we met and then watching you, you know, especially within the access ventures world and the LX world and just those things going, you've really been like incredible leader in those things. And I just think really it's how you're designed and who you are. So I just want to commend you on that. Just going, Thanks. it's just fun to watch. And I look forward to you know, being around, I do think like we have over, I don't know, probably 17 million listeners, but just going, wow, if someone wants to do a destination wedding, San Diego would be a great spot. It's not a bad spot. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot to do here. And I'm just telling you this because he's not farmed out this way, but going, he is the man in San Diego. You want anything done in San Diego, like connection wise, he is the man, but 
he's not available like that. So but <laughs> just so you know that. So anyways, but thanks for taking the time as always. Just love, love being with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of More Than Profit. If you would like to learn more about the Moniker Group, please check out monikergroup.com. To stay up to date with More Than Profit, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, drop us a review so others can find us as well. More Than Profit is a production of Access Ventures. Executive producers are Bryce Butler and Brian McKay. Associate producers is Bryn McKay. Production and operations by Crystal Esquivel. Production assistance provided by Resonate Recording. Our theme song today was No Man's Land by Slapstorm. I'm Bryn McKay, and you've been listening to More Than Profit.